Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name, name above all names, King of kings, Lord of lords. You've made him that way because that's what you wanted and you designed it and you are worthy of it. And Father, we realize that the Holy Spirit don't even want to speak of himself, but he wants to just to lift up Jesus. And he does that so that each one of us can be come into your presence and be reconciled back into you. And Father, that's our prayer tonight that each and every heart will see a little bit clearer this week and maybe even tonight. Just see a little bit clearer the work of redemption in our behalf. Just see a little bit clearer the love that you had for us in sending your own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. The one that you conceived in Mary's womb. The one that became flesh and dwell among us, that holy child, that holy thing. You call Jesus a thing. That's amazing, Lord. I just stand and amazed at your ways and your wisdom so far above ours. I just pray, Father, tonight that you'll just unctionize and anoint and bless the meditations of our heart, the words of our mouth, and that you'll search us and try us and see if there be any, any evil way in us. Father, we just pray that you'll lead us into the life everlasting, into the blessed lap of Jesus. Just help us to listen to his heartbeat like the Apostle John. We just leaned up there and put his head on Jesus' breast. Father, I just pray that you'll convict us of sin tonight. That you'll show us true righteousness and you will prove any part of the world that's trying to get into these lives and these hearts and these minds. We know that's the mission and the message of the, of the Spirit. We pray this, that each heart will be opened up, including mine, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So how are you doing? Every, the students, how are you doing? Are you faring well? Good. Have you been to the fair recently? I'm, well, I just figured that you went to the, see the tractor pull. Did you go see the tractor pull? Or was it the tractor push? <laughs> How was your prayer meeting today? Was it a pushing and pulling? Or did you engage the levers? The reason I ask you that tonight is because until we take our hand to the lever and grasp on to the truth that we heard about today already, that the Lord Jesus Christ came and died for us and was buried for us and rose again and ascended to the right hand of the Father so that He could send the comfort of the Holy Ghost and his quickening power into each and every one of your lives, until we engage that truth into our lives, we're going to be pushing and pulling. And we get mad at each other when we can't get work accomplished. I was just blasted with that whole illustration. Pardon the man here. Uh, he's gradually diminishing. That's good. Um, Jesus said there's just first just a little blade of grass. And we think about that field that they were trying to, to plant and harvest. There's just a little blade of grass. The corn just comes up. 
and then after that the stock, and then after that the ear. And we understand that's how production works. But underneath that, in that hard ground, in that ground that needs to be plowed and disked, in our hearts, in that hardened soil of our hearts, where the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things come in and choke the word, we need to plow deep and we need to turn it over and expose the impurities and the, and the rotting, decaying vegetation from the previous years of our old sins that we forgot we've been cleansed from. We, we take and we turn all that over and expose it to the light, the sunlight, the purity of the holy light of God, the sunbeam we heard about, and it comes down and that seed, the life that's in the seed, the word of God, blesses and breaks forth in the bud. But you know what happens before you see that first little blade of grass? Recently, we was with the minister's seminar down in California, and it was in a beautiful setting of Jamestown or Twain Heart, somewhere up in there, where Reuben and Sarah live, in that area. And they have a lot of different varieties of oaks, but there's some blue oaks and black oaks and native oaks. And they say that an oak tree, an acorn, will send down three feet of roots, a root, tap root three feet deep before you can see a leaf come out. They've traced some of those blue oaks, these old majestic huge trees that have been there hundreds of years, they've traced some of their roots over a quarter mile away. You see, until we understand that the seed has got to die, our self, the corn, the husk, let the seed fall to the ground and die, Jesus says. Until we understand that, the seed has got to die so that that spark of life can be fanned into a flame and can begin to grow and become rooted. You that have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, he says to walk in him, rooted and grounded in him, rooted and grounded, grounded in this soil as this seed of God's word comes into our heart and breaks this hardened shell and we die to self and we're rooted in him and we begin to grow and we grow and we grow. And that's how life is. We grow up. And, and there's a, a terminology that we, it's called the meristemic. It's a terminal bud. It continues to grow up. And if you nip that bud out, it branches out. But God wants us to become a central leader, always pointing to the Jesus Christ, the Lord, way up in there. And uh, too often we branch out or we get lopsided. And um, what can happen is we go up and grow up. If we just grow in one direction, we'll become lopsided. We'll try to bear fruit and it'll break off. Too often, we're going at, instead of going toward the center and causing the central leader to become the dominant leader, we go off into a tangent over here and we have uh, possessions or pride. Over here, we might have lust and and the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, whatever it is, it becomes overburdened and it breaks off and it cuts and splinters and goes right down. Luke, you said you weren't a good artist. What about me? Anyways, 
I can't even spell when I'm talking like this. But you get the point. We want to grow up into Christ, who is the head. We want to be attached to the vine. We want to be Christ-centered. We want to allow our growth to be upward and, yes, outward and branching out in a right way. And Jesus says that he wants us to be purged and pruned and strengthened so that we can bear fruit. But you, you have the pruning so that the branch can hold up that fruit. And that's everyone that's in the nursery or the fruit industry understands that. Tonight, um, we're going to continue this series that's been laid out before us. And, and maybe you don't, uh, don't have that in your notes. I don't know if we've shared that. But last night, Grant talked on the being real disciples, no, no hypocrisy. And tonight, <clears throat> Lord give us grace, we'd like to talk about being revived disciples, starting fresh. And um, tomorrow night, Brother Joe is going to talk about being, um, huh, I lost it, Joe. What is it? Responsible disciples, good stewardship. And then, Lord willing, Pete will talk on being rooted disciples, uh, rooted and grounded in love. And then, Brother John Michael will talk Friday night on running disciples, launching out and taking the message to the lost and the dying so that the Word of God can continue. Well, tonight we just want to... uh, talk about being revived disciples and there's so many things that when you talk about revival you talk about um, truth in God's word it's an endless subject and so we're not even going to touch touch on it hardly it's just going to be a a uh, briefer brief course and uh, again I just pray that the Holy Spirit will just open up your hearts and your minds and just bless you in your meditations. Um, I think for a, a scripture reading, I'd like to turn to Psalm 80. This was Israel's plea for God's mercy. And brothers and sisters, tonight... The mercies of God are new every morning. The mercies of God fail not. And until we become like the publican who just couldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven but just smote his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Until we can come to that position, we don't truly understand in a humility our condition before a holy God. And I'm talking about that even after we have named and named and born again and baptized. But just, just listen to this, this shepherd, this plea for the shepherd's mercy. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, thou that dwellest between the cherubims, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up thy strength and come and save us. You see the setting here is the cherubims, the holy, holy uh, symbols there of angels covering the mercy seat and the holiness of God there in the 
in the Holy of Holies in the temple or the tabernacle at this time. And it's just like they were crying out, Lord, save us, turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long wilt thou be angry against the prayer of thy people? Thou feedest them with the bread of tears. Give us them tears to drink in great measure. Thou makest up us a strife unto our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Too often throughout the Christian community today, we have people looking on and seeing hypocrisy in the church. We have people looking on, scoffing and saying, if that's what Christianity is all about, I don't have anything to do with it. We have people looking on around us saying, if this is how God, a loving God is going to take care of his people and the pain and the suffering they're going through, fooey on them. And we walk around with gloom and despair in our faces and God is saying, I am your shepherd. I am your good shepherd. Christ said that. And he gave his life for the sheep. And if this great shepherd of the sheep is going to come again and save our souls, he wants to save them now. And he wants to save us so we can have, be revived now. And so that we can have a fresh start now. And so that we can walk in victory now. He goes on, he says, How long, Lord God of hosts, wilt thou be angry with us? And against the prayer of thy people. Do you feel that way sometimes? Like your prayers aren't even being listened to? Psalm 66 says that God hears not the prayers of sinners. The blind man told the Pharisees, we know that God does not hear sinners, but I know that this man gave me sight. That I know. And they rebuked him, sent him out of the temple and said, you were born in your sins and you're trying to teach us? Scoff, strife. Thou makest us a strife unto our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Turn us again, O God. That's our prayer tonight. If you're going to be a revived disciple, you've got to turn again. You've got to return. You've got to repent. Grant brought it out last night. A real disciple is one that confesses and repents. Or repents and confesses. However you want to place that. But it, God is wanting us to turn. And the, the prayer of Israel was for us, each one, to turn for themselves and for us too. And here's the, the blessing of that. He causes his face to shine upon us. And we'll be saved. That means we'll be saved from our enemies. That means we'll be saved from eternal damnation. That means we'll be saved from our sins. That means we'll be saved from our flesh. All the areas that we're battling will be saved. You've brought us out like a vine out of Egypt. You've cast out the heathen. You've planted it. He's prepared a table in the presence of his enemies, David said in Psalm 23. And thou preparedest room before it, didst cause it to take deep root, and it filled the land. And that is God's intention. And so much the more for the church of Christ, who's empowered by the Spirit of God. The hills were covered with a shadow of it, and the boughs thereof were like the goodly cedars. And isn't that what Jesus says? This kingdom is going to grow up, it's going to become a mighty tree, and the, and the fowls of the air are going to try to land in it and build nests. That's the, like almost like demons coming in and taking over, but. I'm afraid sometimes that happens. But this mighty tree is going to send out boughs into the sea and her branches in the river. And it's going to continue to grow. And that's what God wants His kingdom to do. Why hast thou then broken down her hedges? 
so that all they which pass by the way do pluck her. Seems too often the churches are just being plucked. Members are being plucked. Just like chickens and feathers. The boar out of the wood doth waste it, and the wild beast of the field doth devour it. Return, we beseech thee, O God of hosts. Now we're calling out for God to return. Now we're saying for God to come back and luck upon us and shine your face upon us and give us your peace and bless us. In the vineyard which thy right hand hath planted, the branches thou made it strong for thyself, it is burned with fire, it is cut down, they perish at the rebuke of thy countenance. Here's our hope tonight. As we think about being revived disciples, as we think about the central leader system of the Lord Jesus Christ, the tree of life, the eternal life that we have in the, in the Son, he says in verse 17 of Psalm 80, Let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand, upon the Son of Man whom thou madest strong for thyself. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus, who's right now sitting at the right hand of God, interceding for us. He's made him strong. He rolled up his sleeves in his salvation and declared his, his salvation to the nations. So will not we go back from thee, quicken us, and we will call upon thy name. And that quickening is the, is the life-giving spirit. We are quickened. We are made alive by the spirit of our God. And so he says, turn us again, O Lord God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Hallelujah. Tonight, we can be saved and delivered. But too often, we turn back, just like Israel did, through the wandering in the wilderness, just like Israel did, once they were settled in the promised land, the land of plenty, milk and honey, they turned back to those beggarly elements of Egypt. They turned back to the idolatry that was around them. Even Solomon, who was wise, and, and um, Jesus says that there was no one wiser than Solomon, but he did say there was a greater than Solomon is here. And the Lord Jesus Christ, in Corinthians 1 there at the end of the chapter, he says, Jesus is our wisdom. Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our sanctification. And Jesus is our redemption. He is our all in all. He is complete. And we are complete in Him if we can just yield to Him and believe the promises that He's given us in His Word. And as we think about this, and you think about the sun coming from heaven and, and making that tree to grow, that seed to grow, and the tree to grow, and bear fruit, uh, we want the washing of the water of the Word to just to, to go over us and, and to continue to nourish us, that living water that Jesus gives us. And we want it to be a washing of the water of the word, not a quenching of the spirit. And we just pray that each and every one of you, as we go through this week, and the brethren speak on these different aspects of what the spirit can do, that you make personal application in your lives. We all have got to do that. If we're going to gain this week, we have all got to make personal applications. What the word of God does, it brings a greater understanding of who God is and also brings a greater faith in your heart if you are willing to receive it. But it comes back to the, the ground, the soils, the types of the soils. Hard, rocky, stony, thorny, 
cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things, letting Satan come in, pluck the word out, going after things. We have got to make sure that our heart is broken and tilled and open. Edwin Hatch wrote this. Holy Spirit of God, descend on me on us today with fire, with power. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew that I may love what thou dost love and do what thou wouldst do. Breathe on me, breath of God, until my heart is pure. Until with thee I will one will to do or to end me. Breathe on me, breath of God, bend all my soul with thine, until this earthly part of me glows with fire divine. I think we've heard that pretty clearly already, but we cannot live this Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. His quickening power. You think about Jesus, and you think about the temptations that he had. Hebrews says he was tempted in all points like as we yet without sin. He says that he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He was, um, became sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And you think about what he's done and all the temptations he faced. And you know what happened right after his baptism? When John was preaching, prepare ye the way of the Lord. When John was preaching baptism for the remission of sins. And when Jesus came to sit down and says, John, I'm going to get baptized. And he says, no, Lord, I need to be baptized of you. And he says, Suffer to be so, for thus it fulfills us to become all righteousness. And it says, when he baptized him, he saw the Spirit coming down like a dove. And he heard the voice from heaven, and it was God. And here's another Trinity chapter. God saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And when you think about that, I, I think of the mountain of transfiguration. I, I see that uh, John and Peter... And James up there witnessing this great miracle of Jesus' glorious transformation right there. He just transformed in glorious light and beauty. And the other prophets, Elijah and Moses, appeared there. And they just wanted to make tabernacles. This was awesome. Let's make tabernacles here. And God made Moses and Elijah disappear. The law and the prophets disappeared. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And God confirmed that truth when he says, This is my beloved Son, hear ye him. Jesus Christ is the Word of God because he is God, conceived in the virgin's womb. And this is a re reaffirming of our faith in this tonight. If you're going to be a real disciple... And you're going to be a revived disciple. You've got to go back to the foundational truths of God's word. That he died, that he was buried, and he rose again. And when he was baptized, immediately after that, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Think about that in your life. The Holy Spirit led him away to be tempted of the devil. 
The Holy Spirit led Jesus away to be tempted of the devil. Are you being led away to be tempted of the devil? I think sometimes we blame things on the devil when it's really God taking us through the fire. It's really God testing us. Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to be true? I am faithful that calls you. I will do it. I will perform it. Faithful is he that calleth you and also will do it. Apostle Paul saw that time and time again when he was tempted and tried and went through all these persecutions, even among false brethren. And he says, I labored abundantly more than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. He understood it was God's grace and his favor that was imparting his life through him. He was rooted and grounded in truth. He had the roots saturated with living water. He allowed that living water to flow up through all parts of his life and he was fruitful and not barren. Jesus calls us to walk away from ourselves in our past, our all, and he, the call of Jesus is to walk away from anything that will hinder our fellowship with him and our effectiveness for him. The call of Jesus is to walk with him in the way of the cross. It's the way of rejection. It's the way of betrayal. It's a way of, of suffering. It's a way of maybe even accepting and yielding to the suffering without complaining, without murmuring, without doubting, without scoffing. And he was willing to give himself to God knowing that he was able to, well, we heard today, learn obedience by the things he suffered. He was willing to give himself unto God knowing that he was able to perfect what he was going to go through and bless others through the suffering. If we aren't willing to take, go the way of the cross in acceptance and yielding and suffering and scorning and sacrifice and separation and abandonment and being alone and being willing to die alone in the ground. We heard today too or that yesterday. I think that maybe this you young people heard it at the cho chorus not being ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation. Don't be ashamed. If you're ashamed of, of Jesus before men now, he's going to be ashamed before you. If you confess him before men now, he's going to confess you before the Father in heaven. And that's our, one of the calls that we go out on Thursday. Is, I am one of the shyest persons around. You can ask my wife. I had to ask somebody else to ask her out on our first date. I was so shy. It was amazing. And uh, on a hayride back in annual meeting, and and I think, yeah, I could go off on a whole tangent there. <laughs> but revival comes through an awareness and understanding of who we are without God, who we are without Christ. Revival comes with an understanding that we need to be broken. That we need to confess our need of Him. That we need to be uh, willing to die to self. Revival comes when we are willing to uh, have a, a lowly, a humble, a contrite heart, he says in different places in the Word. We can't live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. 
We have to have the life of Christ in us. Christ is the one that gives us the hope. And He's the one that indwells us richly. And so don't start blaming things of suffering on God. Don't start blaming things of being alone on God. Don't start blaming God for not answering prayers. Turn us again, O God. Return, we beseech thee, God. Save us, God. And then just wait in the ground at least three days. <laughs> at least three days, just wait and let God work in your brokenness. Let God work in your loneliness. And then start to see that spark of flame. I don't even know what time we started. We start at seven? Huh? Okay. Come descend, O heavenly spirit, fan each spark into a flame. Blessings let us now inherit, blessings that we cannot name. Whilst hosannas we are singing, may our hearts in rapture move. Feel new grace in them still springing. Breathe the air of purest love. I don't know how it is when you go outside in, in times like this after rain, but sometimes you can just smell the ozone. You can just smell the fresh air and the lightning storm and stuff like that. It's just, we need to breathe in the Holy Spirit, breathe in the Word of God, and breathe out, exhale out all the sins of the flesh. Repentance brings revival. The purpose of repentance is salvation. It's justification. When we repent, we are justified by the, the righteousness of God. By faith, we are justified in Him. Postponing repentance is acknowledging that we love someone else or something else rather than we love God. If we're not willing to repent tonight, it shows that we're not willing to follow and love God and lay everything at the foot of the cross. That foot of the cross down there, I got it wrong. We've walked down that hard trail back and forth trying to get to the foot of the cross. Sometimes it's that way in salvation. But usually, once we go to the foot of the cross and lay down our burdens and our sins, the foot of the cross, then the rugged road starts. The way of the pilgrim is hard. And the way of, of, of the, the suffering of the pilgrim of Christ is hard. And the end is looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we're looking in hope and we're looking for that final goal of being in His presence. But um, the cause of repentance is a call of fruit from a repentant heart. It's called sanctification. And sometimes we preach to you and say, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. And you, you, you should do this and you should do that. And most of those preaching messages are messages of sanctification, how we should walk after we have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. We have been cleansed from our sin. We've been born again. We've been raised from the dead. We're walking in newness of life. Now we need to live out that sanctified life. But repentance should not just be a one-time act that we have just before baptism. Repentance should be a, a call of fruit. And if you look at a sheep on a, white, on a, a green pasture uh, hillside, it looks white until it snows, and then that looks like a gray. And so we start to compare our righteousness with, with the righteousness of Christ, and it don't hold up. And so we yield again and again the spirit of repentance. It's a gift of God. It's His goodness that brings us to repentance. And it's the ongoing act of repentance is confessing and forsaking sin, just like David did, like Peter did. Not like Esau and Judas, 
Though they wept bitterly and tried to make amends, we need to be a David, a man after God's own heart, or a Peter, even, even though in denial and betrayal, and not betrayal, but in denial, he went out and he wept bitterly. And then he just told the Lord, I love you, Lord. Yeah, I know it's just a filial love, but I love you. So repentance really should come down to then in our daily walk a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ so that every time as we're walking with him we're putting to death and reminding ourselves we're bringing our body under we're dying to self we're, we're bringing ourself un, our body in subjection and we're giving ourselves wholly to the Lord and we're allowing the new man to come out and that which is corrupt and deceitful lust we're putting down we're allowing the new nature of Christ to grow up in us and to mature us it's precious faith and grace in this righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, um, how much time do I have, Pete? 20 minutes. Wow. Okay. Then I'd like to go to Acts chapter 3. And just as you're turning there, Acts 2... 38 says after Peter's sermon there on Pentecost and he condemned them and told them that this Jesus which God has raised from the dead where we are all witnesses you've, you've crucified this Lord of glory and they cried out men and brethren what should we do and uh, he said repent verse 238 of Acts Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many of the Lord our God shall call. That's the promise. And he says, save yourself from this untoward generation. Save us, Lord. And here he's saying, save yourself. And it's the same thing. It's not that we can save ourselves, but it's... The way we can save ourselves is to repent and to believe or to believe and repent. But sometimes you just, it becomes a circle because you've got to continue to believe, to repent and faith upon faith. And, it's, and that's the way it is. And Luke went into the last of that chapter today. But you go into chapter 3 and after Peter and, uh, healed that man, he went leaping and praising God. Down in verse um, 15 he says... You've killed the prince of life whom God hath raised of the dead. And we're witnesses of this. And here is Peter. You think about someone that just killed your, your best friend or your Messiah. Here is Peter talking to the enemies of the cross of Christ. Peter talking to the very ones that caused the insurrection, that caused the crucifixion, but also allowed Jesus to have the resurrection. And because of that, Peter saw the bigger picture. And he was able to preach to the enemies and trying to get them to come into the body of Christ. That's, we are not, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We are not warring against flesh and blood. We're warring against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And when we think about that, we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. We're not warring against men. We're trying to bring men to repentance, to acknowledgement of the truth. It's God's will that all men will be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so here's this man, Peter, 
preaching and he's telling them, you have got to repent and be converted, verse 19, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord and he shall send Jesus which before was preached unto you. And that's, that's the whole eternal scope of the church from beginning to end. This Jesus whom you crucified and killed and rose again, he's coming again. This prince of life is going to blot out your sins. He's going to give you a time of refreshing. But you're not going to have a refreshing until you repent. Repentance brings revival. Revival brings refreshing. And it's just a tremendous truth. And God wants us to continue to breathe this truth in and believe it and walk in it and change our minds about what we have done and grieve in our hearts over sin and walk away from sin of the deeds and the words that we have done and even the sins, my dad has prayed, he's 91 years old, just saw him last, last week, and uh, he's prayed sometimes pretty common prayers, and other times they're all, they're all different. But, you know, we used to have more traditional prayers than we have now. Praise God that we don't have the, as many traditional prayers. The one thing he prayed, it prays a lot, is forgive us of the sins of commission and also the sins of omission. And I wonder sometime, brethren, if the sins of commission, the acts and the words that we've actually done and said, are paling in comparison compared to the sins of omission, the things we should have done and said. God, and we heard about that today, the potential to go out and plow a bigger area so that we can not only bless our families and bless our local churches and our local communities, but provide enough seed of the Word of God for communities in lots of other areas and lands. That's what God wants us to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. That's been His call from the beginning. And we will need to grieve in our fall. We need to get out of bed and fall on our knees and rise up and put on the Lord Jesus Christ, the armor of God, and just walk in Him and live in Him for Him. And it's so easy to get fallen away from that. We need to renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. I want you to think about this one. I believe in God. I believe in Christ. I just don't trust Him. I'm not sure that I really fear Him. And sometimes I can be a little bit like the Ephesians. If I'm honest with myself, I'm not sure I love Him. You ever been there? You believe. You're not willing to give up. I, I, I sense that when... When Luke was over here, <laughs> is this real? Is this, is this life really real? Are you real? There's people out there who don't believe they're real. You're talking about warped. <laughs> this is real. And the call this evening is to be real. Last night we was called to that too. Be real about reality. Don't spit back in Jesus' faith and say, what is truth? Look at the truth there in judgment. Look at the truth willing to go to the cross for you. Look at the truth 
being buried, taking your sins away. Now I want you to think about that. Do we really love Him? Do we really fear Him? Can we say we really trust Him? I wonder. I think Pete closed Sunday. Sunday um, was that yesterday? Yeah, I guess it was. Um, after service, Pete closed. And he said something that I believe you can boil down all sin as being selfishness or something like that. He did it more articulately. I thought before that all sin is rooted in pride. Just like Satan, I will. I will, I will, I will be like the Most High. I will rise up. He's exalting himself. And whether you call it pride or you call it selfishness, it's rooted in idolatry. It's rooted in in yourself, raising yourself up. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. And so they worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who had given them the creation to see His glory. Given them their conscience and understanding to be submitted to Him in obedience. So I'm going to ask you some questions tonight. I don't know if I get through them all. But um, if we think about, well, these, these words came to my, day to, to my mind tonight too. As I was thinking about things of the past, skeletons in the closet, how sometimes my heart can just be in stubbornness of yielding to the Holy Ghost. I can just be stubborn. And, and what did... Um, what did, what did the prophet tell Saul that stubbornness was? Does anyone know? Yep. Stubbornness is as a sin of witchcraft. Saul was going after witches, the indoor, to find out what he should do. And if we're not willing to submit our will to the will of God in our suffering, in our pain, in our temptation... If we're not willing to go to the death of ourself and our will and to resign our will, our future, our everything to Him, it's called witchcraft. Idolatry. Rebellion. Harsh words. And tonight, Grant and, and uh, whoever's right there, or did I bring him up here? I brought him up here. Just pass one of these around to each student. Or just hand them down the table. And if there's any left, you can pass them back to the staff and the older children. I want you to just think about the purity and the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I want you to just think about being cleansed of all your sin and being white as snow. I want you to think about the freedom that you would have if you don't have any guilt and shame in your heart tonight. If you didn't have any pain in your heart, no embarrassment to speak out and say anything, that I am free from the blood of all men. I am void. My conscience is void of offense to God and man. What freedom we would have. What unleashing of power through the power of the Spirit we'd have. I'd like you to take that 
nice white piece of paper and take your pen or marker, pencil, whatever, and just put an X right down the middle. If you've done that, you've just confessed that your thought life is X-rated. You've just confessed that everything in your heart that does not measure up to the standard of God deserves to be in the trash bin. And I'd like you to think, as I read these questions, if the Spirit brings anything to your mind, you might not be in subjection to your parents. You might have said something that you shouldn't have done. There might be someone that's grieving over a moral sin right now tonight. There might be someone that has the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, something in their heart, in their mind. You might have not surrendered your will and you have your stubbornness holding on. You might, have, you might be grieved at, at not finding the life companion that you was hoping for. Or you might be grieved because there's circumstances in your family happen. You might be grieved because you've lost a loved one. You might be grieving and doubting and questioning the love of God tonight because, because how could a loving God cause my sister to get sick and die? How could a loving God cause my dad to get a brain tumor and die? How could a loving God allow pain and sickness and suffering and loss of life and suicide bombers and you name all the pain and suffering out there. How could a loving God do that? Whatever pain it is in your heart tonight, write it down. Am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I really am? Maybe tonight you're self-righteous. You're saying, I don't have a problem. I don't know of any sins. And we heard about that today. If man say I have no sin, he's a liar. The truth is not in him. So just put that down. You don't have the truth. Am I honest in all my acts and words or do I exaggerate? Do I confidentially pass on to another one who has told me something in confidence? Can I be trusted? Are we a slave to fashion, friends, works, or habits? Am I self-conscious, self-pitying, self-justifying, self-condemning? Did the Bible really live in me today? Do I give the Bible time to speak to me every day? Am I spending time in the Bible? Do I enjoy prayer? When did I last speak to someone else about my faith? Do I pray about the money I spend? Do I go to bed on time and get up on time? Do I disobey God in anything? Do I insist on doing something about my conscience? Am I defeated in any part of my life? Am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or distrustful? How do I spend my spare time? Am I proud? Do I thank God? That I am not as other people, especially as a Pharisee who despised the publican? Is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold resentment toward, or disregard? If so, what am I doing about it? 
Do I grumble or complain constantly? Is Christ real to me? 200 years ago, this is the 22 questions that John Wesley asked. And they call it the Holy Club. And it started the Wesleyan Church, the meth called the Methodist. And they had a method about doing things. Today you would not recognize most of the Methodist churches as being a holy club. It might be called a club, but it's no longer holy. Some other questions. Whose reputation do I guard more closely, God's or mine? How do I respond when rebuked or admonished or corrected? Is there an inner side of me that craves recognition? Am I quick to take up another's offense? Do I have a condescending attitude toward others or their children? How high do I hold my own opinion? How frequently do I utter prayers of repentance? Do I think I am spiritually superior to others? When is the last time I criticized another and why did I do it? Are others the expense of my jokes? Is it important for me to be seen or visible? There's other questions we could go through. I just didn't really get to some of the scriptures I was wanting to read. And I know our time's getting close to going out. I'm just wanting to share something here. Again, revival comes through repentance. If you want a refreshing tonight and this week, we've got to be true and real with God and come to repentance. And one way of saying it, revival is the key to survival in the Christian walk. In 1904, a man by the name of Evan Roberts... He was a young college student, 26 years old. How many are 26 years old or older tonight? 26 years old. He went to his pastor and just asked his pastor if he could preach on revival and, um, or allow him to preach on revival, and the pastor said no. Evan was very burdened for his home country. He lived in Wales. And he went to the altar one night again and at the church. He said, there was a revival meeting at the church and he was just convicted. And he went to the altar and, and he just came back to the pastor and, and said, Pastor, can I talk on revival? And at the revival meeting he said that he had came to the altar. He said, revival. He prayed, oh Lord, bend me. Bend me. And he wanted to be broken. He wanted to be changed. He wanted to be bent. He wanted to be uh, humbled so that he could be uh, complete and allowed to be used of God. He wanted a complete surrender. I think we sing sometimes, revive us again or all to Jesus I surrender. And I think we sing that, but we don't do that. So he went to the pastor again. He says, can I talk to the people on revival and the pastor said no and then he thought a little bit he says but you can speak after the service if anyone wants to come here like 
kind of scoffingly. So he spoke to two hours on four points. He spoke for two hours on four points to 17 people. Only 17 people showed up. And you older folks, I'm glad you're here tonight. But it was mostly younger folks that showed up. And we have young people that showed up this week. And I trust you could have the same outpouring that happened here. He spoke for two hours and four points. And he said these. Confess all known sin to God. Deal with and get rid of all doubtful areas in your life. Obey the Holy Spirit instantly. And confess Christ publicly. And the results were, all 17 of the people came to the altar and they started and, and they stayed and prayed until 2 o'clock in the morning, praying and crying out for revival. 60 people were saved the next week. In the next 18 months, in one and a half years, 100,000 people, they say, came to the Lord throughout Wales. As a result of just one Sunday evening service. Taverns and ballroom rooms were closed all over wells. Work at coal mines came to a standstill because so many miners were saved. The mules had to learn new languages because they were using curse words for commands. In some areas, the police force was diminished because of crime and for 12 months, the spirit and the fires of revival swept all across Wales into Europe and into the New York Times. And the New York Times had a daily column. And this probably would have been in 1905. And it said they had a daily column of today's converts. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Could you imagine that happening again? It could. It's the same God. It's just different people. Fifty years ago, the teachers in the American schools were concerned about students that ran in the hallways, chew gum, chewed gum, talking out of turn, cutting in line, littering, or violating school dress codes. That was just 50 years ago. And we'd go off into divorce rates and all, all kinds of things. You look at the school system today. You see how far we've came, how far we've drifted. No child left behind. That's a worthy call of America's educational movement to have no child left behind in education. But I'll tell you, there's going to be millions of children left behind going to hell because they've took Bible out of the school, they've took prayer out of the school, but worse than that, the Christian homes have taken the spirit of revival out of their homes. I don't know if you wrote anything down on your papers tonight. I would encourage you to take that paper And I don't know what Anthony wants to sing, but I would just pray that 
we would bring those papers up at any time. If you don't want to do it tonight, if you're embarrassed, that's fine. This is called a paper shredder. The paper shredder shreds. And it's a type of what we do when we confess our sins to the Lord Jesus Christ. We was in a prayer group today and one of the young men was with us last year in our prayer group and he said, well, I've said some of these things before and Russ probably remembered them. And I didn't take the time to tell him, no, I didn't remember them. I remembered something vaguely, but they've been cast into the sea of forgetfulness. Praise God. When we confess our sins and they're blotted out, you know what a blotter does? It blots out. It removes. There's not even a stain. There might be a scar in our physical emotions, in our bodies. There's scars. But the sin has been removed. And brothers and sisters, young people tonight, you can bring the papers up here. And it's a type of what you can do in your hearts as you confess your blame and your shame and your confusions and your doubts and your sins and your rebellions and your everything that is against the love of God. And you can start to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And God is calling you to that this week. Let us sail in grace's oceans. Float on that unbounded sea. Guided into pure devotion. Kept from paths of error free. On thy heavenly manna feeding. Screen, screen from every envious foe. Love, O oh love, for sinners bleeding. All for thee. Help us forgo. Keep us, Lord. Still in communion. That's our prayer for you tonight. Keep us, Lord, still in communion. Daily nearer drawn to thee. Seeking in the sweetest union of that heartfelt mystery. Keep us safe from each delusion, well protected from all harms, frees from sin and all confusion. Circle us within thine arms. God bless you and grant you his peace that's only found through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. different now before you had a piece of paper and now you ran it through that shredder what what's different it's destroyed. <laughs> it's destroyed did running a piece of paper through a shredder change the condition of your heart I guess what I'm getting at is that is designed to illustrate a reality, but the reality is the issue. Um, and I think it's a very good illustration of a reality, but I want to make sure that we don't miss the reality in the, in the thing. 
Because um, what we're talking about is just is surrender, just just letting it go. Just and sometimes we can get frustrated, and we don't even really know why. And I've I've got to the point now. I when I get there and I start feeling that way, I, it's like, okay, God, what are you asking me to surrender? What is it that you're asking me to surrender? Somewhere I'm hanging on to something that you're asking me to let go of. Maybe it's, a, it's some idea that I've presented and I'm trying to make that thing go and God's just saying, will you let that corn of wheat fall to the ground and die? And this has been a good opportunity for you to write down that pet thing that you've been hanging on to, whether it's been a your rights, hanging on to your rights, um, your to just surrender, surrender. Um, I don't know what that word communicates to you. Surrender, just just letting it go, and that's being okay. It's going to be all right. I don't have to try to figure it out. I don't have to try to fix it. I don't have to try to force it. I don't have to try to make it work. I don't have to try anymore. You just surrender. You just let it go. And this is a very good illustration of that. Um, it's a revival, a fresh start. Amen. When when God turns us, when we when we turn, and when God's face shines on us. We're able to have a fresh start. But let... Uh, yes. Let... Um, let that corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. That's really all I'm trying to say. Making sure that, that the illustration and the reality are connecting in our hearts. Um, I don't know how to, to say that further. There was a hymn, but I just can't quite get it. Um, I can't even get anything up, but it really bothers me because I think it would be a good thing to sing right now. It's something about um, tell it to Jesus. There it is. I think it's in this book. Tell it to Jesus. 542. Yeah, could we sing that hymn? 